on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. March into spring with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered, one-gig internet for $59.99 per month, plus a $150 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is another episode of The Three Questions. Uh, I'm Andy Richter, and I am talking today uh, with Ralph Macchio. Where am I, talk- where am I talking to you uh, from? I'm in New York City. I'm in New York City right now, yeah. And you've been in, I mean, you're from New York. You're an East Coaster to begin with, so. Always, always been, yep. Any kind of Hollywood life, that was sort of, um, that was the unusual part, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say unusual is the word, but um, I guess, you know, I, the longest I lived in L.A. was, I would say, 80, 81. I was on a TV show called Eight is Enough. Uh-huh. I'm I familiar. Was, I was nine. Was Eight is many. enough to fill our hearts with love. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I lived out there. I did 22 episodes of that, and then I stayed there the following year. I figured maybe I should take some acting classes and learn how to do this thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the uh, uh, you were doing fine without them. Uh, and then I did, and then the Outsiders uh, auditions came up, and then that, that as soon as I did that film, then I moved back to New York, and I I spent chunks of time with movie times or you know hitting the tarmac, pitching from behind the camera times or yeah. audition pilot season. Why do I have to do this again to get nowhere? Times right, you know? right. So they're those chunks. So, but yeah, home has always been uh, New York. Though I do enjoy my time in Los Angeles. It's much sweeter now than when I'm pounding the pavement to nowhere. Sure. So, are you? Is it? Were you born in Long Island or, or like yeah. from Long Island and? Uh, established family there yeah, you my know parents are still here and still with us and you know my kids are in their 20s and my daughter's 30 which is just stupid because i'm yeah yeah in my late 30s now and um you know <laughs> and then we just uh so it's, it's home base and it's and for me it's like it's you know the mets on a playoff run now i'm i'm heading out of town to do a book tour i'm like did i time could i have timed this worse <laughs> my big sports oh that yeah always brought me home too the sports whether it was the islanders my hockey team or the the jets okay the jets we could you know they're all right tough you can you can watch them lose from anywhere That's from any place in the world yeah but I used to love going back. I would that would be oh often be the inspiration of when I got done with a movie or a project. I would, you know, it's like wait no, it's it's they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. I got to go home. Yeah. So that that maybe that that that's how I avoided the pitfalls of of the darkness, or the <laughs> slopes, seduction of of the the uh, crash and burn. You know. Yeah. Now you. Uh... You're from an, a big Italian family, I would assume. Is there not you have, really? Not no. really. No, the, my family is uh, my parents and my brother. That was it. No, but we have cousins. Yeah, that's what um, I meant. Like, but, but extended- not not the big, like you know, uh, the big meal with the gravy and the pods. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Ball and eating the mozzarella and getting slapped in your hand when you grab the. <laughs> I mean that that sort of um, which. I've been a part of, but it's not, that wasn't my sort of nucleus. Right. There was still, it was still traditions, you know, there was a Christmas Eve and, and the stuff and the, and the family tradition, a close family, but not necessarily, you know, Frankie, get over here, Vito, sit down. You know, it's not necessarily that, although I bear witness to that in my life. What, was there any show business in your family? I mean, how did it, you know, what happened that, uh, yeah. 
you became plucked from obscurity. Yeah. What happened is, and I, I write about it in this, this book. I mean, I wanted to be Gene Kelly when I was a little kid. And the reason I wanted to be Gene Kelly as a little kid, besides Gene Kelly being amazing, yeah, uh, is that when I would come home from school, my mom was probably the one, maybe there was a piece, a, a, a time where she probably would have gone down the path of yeah. entertainment business. I mean, she was a growing up, she was into the Betty Grable movies, all that. I mean, I'm dating myself big time, but you know, that's, that's part of another generation. I would come home from school and in the den would be what well, in New York was channel 11 WPIX yep. 430 movie, you know, it would be singing in the rain or it would be, you know, uh, um, whatever, Fred Astaire or whatever, you know, Clark Gable, whatever that was that was on sort of the Turner Classic movies of then. Right. But I would watch these movies with my mom. And so I, so then I took I went to uh, my cousins were taking tap dance lessons or whatever at that time. So I, you know, I signed up to be pretend Gene Kelly and do shuffle hop mm-hmm. step and hit the mark and smile. And then I go to Little League practice and I was between sports and and theater. And so that's how I yeah. fell in love with storytelling and watching those, those great, great movie musicals with, with mom, you know? I, yeah. And I think like you are of an age too, that where that was still, you're like at the tail end of probably kids at that age becoming fascinated with, you know, being a song and dance man, right. you know, and kind of like, and thinking about stardom and Gene Kelly terms as opposed to you know robert redford terms right yeah that's what i was i was that but i wanted to be tom seaver also you know know, this was you know so that there was there was a little bit of that and and i i fell short uh my athletic and and uh physical dance prowess fell short of my expectation (laughs) where did you did you try hard to be an athlete and it just didn't happen no i i mean i was um I enjoyed uh, sports. I was never a great athlete, but I was yeah. sort of as I am as a performer. I was on time. I knew my lines. I knew my position. <laughs> I had my glove oiled. Like I was, yeah, you know, yeah. you, put, you put Machio in, he's going to be ready. He yeah. may not have right. the God-given talent. He might not win the game, but he's not going to lose it either. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. What happened with, with, with Little League, once they started throwing not underhand <laughs> and at my head, I started – diving out and then if you, if you can't lean in and you're afraid of getting hit yeah yeah i did make the all-star team one year i don't know how it must have been by default second base and then and then as soon as as soon as puberty kicked in for the rest of the world and mm. i was staying like <laughs> my youthful self uh yeah. so you know what that's i guess this ain't happening for me but i love yeah. sports and uh i enjoyed being part of a team and all that stuff was that boyishness a family trait like were there other because i mean i had the same thing you know I, everyone thinks i have a bit ba- the baby face mine's right. a little wider than yours but you know but you have that you kind of had that same and i mean and you look much you look much younger than you are yep. and people say the same thing about me and i and i hated it you know, I hated the baby face. I hated, it's kind of emasculating, you know? Yeah. But then now as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, you know what? It's not that bad to yeah, no, it's not look, <laughs> look younger than you are. You know, it only sucks for like the first 25, yeah, right, 30 exactly. years. And then it's like, well, you know what? This isn't that bad. Yeah. Was that your experience? With yeah, it? well, because I mean, I was baby face. And I was twinkle toes because I would be tap dancing. So I <laughs> sure, did the one sure. two punch. And yeah. even though I got in the all star team in second base, I was not hitting the home run to win the game. But yeah, I mean, it becomes, you know, I would defy even write about that in a book, just deflecting all the barrage of, you know, when are you going to age? When are you going to go through puberty? Oh, wait, you're 20 what right now? How yeah. is this? Yes, there is youth. And my, my grandmothers both look extremely, looked extremely young for their age. My parents, I blame it on them. So it is yeah. genes. But um, I guess I have very uh, a youthful energy. So that kind of adds to the package. Uh, but it was, there was, you know, you have to defend yourself and then you wind up, feel like you have to earn it more because you're being treated like a kid. Yeah. People assume 
you know, I went, I remember one time uh, uh, I was on the set of The Outsiders. So there's a movie where I was 19 and I looked, you know, 13. Yeah. And I remember Francis Coppola was saying to me, he gave me a, one day he just came over, he gave me a hug, you know, it was like, a, we were in between scenes and he, he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I think of you like Sophia and, 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 and Roman and, and I know you're much older. And it was an interest. I, I distinctively remember that. I've never actually spoken about this. Uh, before, but I remember that moment is galvanized in my mind because it was a pinpoint moment where for some reason I got to see from the perspective of someone who was treating me like a kid, but understood he, you know, that I wasn't, but I just young and I look like one of his kids. Yeah. um, Well, did you have like mixed emotions about it? I mean, it must have been, it's nice to be hugged. I I assume by by, Francis Ford Coppola. By an Academy Award-winning Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, yeah. But also, but then to be told it's because you look like a kid is also, it's, you know, it's like a a slap and a tickle. Yeah, yeah. At that point, at that point, it was less that because I was, it wasn't like I was, you know, uh, 14, 15, and people thought I was 11 or 12. That's when it was the yeah. toughest. And then later, yeah, yeah. when I'm in my, you know, when I'm 30, like once I was on Letterman, I write this story in the book, and he just would not stop with the youthfulness and the, you know, uh, he was just on and on and on and on. And uh, and I I came in and I just, uh, I think I said a line, like something like, I, 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 listen, I don't know what to, I know you're fascinated, but I'm due back at the museum in half an hour. And I got a big <laughs> roar. And this is in, yeah, this, is yeah. in this story is in the book. Uh, I try to tease him and not give the punchline, but that's too good of a punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just sort of rolled back. The wheels of his chair went back. He put his hands up. And then from that point on, the rest of the interview is gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he knew it was time to move on. Yeah. And uh, I was proud of myself. And for the split second, I'm like, what did I do? But it was great. That you did the right thing. That's what they want. You know, classic talk show, good action, you know. So it was some kind of talent scout that that started the, you on this path, correct? And how old are you when this happened? Uh, I was well. The, my first movie I was in, I I, I did like some bubble yum commercials, mm-hmm. Saturday morning singing, and oh yeah, there was sort of like a sing and dance uh, commercial. You could see them on YouTube. They're painful, but it's really funny. <laughs> But really, using all of your talents, you know, and if there'd yeah. been a little baseball in it too, yeah, and really, of. there must have been yeah, yeah. about 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 a swing. <laughs> and then I was I auditioned for Robert Downey Sr. Uh, in a movie called uh, Up the Academy. I got that in '79. Oh yeah, I was 17 years old. Downey Downey Jr. was like 14 at the time, and uh, and so then. After that movie, there was an ABC talent search. The casting director was by the name of Joyce Selznick. What they were doing was years later, the Disney Channel Nickelodeon, they would do that, scouring the country next, Hannah Montana or iCarly or whatever. So for me, it was like, who's the next Scott Baio, if you will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that would be me, I guess. And uh, I was casted in this big you know it was the roosevelt hotel in new york i believe it was the, the drake the drake hotel in new york seemed like twenty thousand. i'm sure it was like 14 or 18 or 30 kids uh yeah. were lining up to wait to go in to grab some piece of paper that would fit and they would read you'd read a couple of lines and i was signed by abc they flew me out to la and they they said we need a new kid on eight is enough this is where you're going and I, I auditioned for Eight is Enough, and I didn't know this until I read Rob Lowe's book that he was the other kid. I never knew that. Oh, wow. So um, I didn't know that till he wrote that. And then we just talked about it recently on his thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, it's kinda, so that's how I broke in, if you will. And you were 17? I was uh, 18 at that point, 18, 39. 18. So you were out of high school. Yep. My my dad came out. My mom came. We looked around. I said, Santa Monica. Okay, that looks pretty good. Pretty close to the water. Yeah. Picked up a Mazda 626 for $9,000.88. My dad paid cash for it, and I drove it from <laughs> Santa Monica Mazda. I mean, there's certain things I remember in that one. The fact right. that he was digging out the 88 cents. <laughs> to drive the car off the lot. Isn't that funny? That is great. Um, that's, that's 1980. Wow. And then and then the actors went on strike for three and a half months, and I had a car sitting in L.A., and I went back to New York and waited. And yeah, yeah. that was the 1980s Screen Actors Go Strike. 
So you could live here alone. You never needed your parents to tag along. Uh, correct. So. I mean, they came in and out and I made some, I had some friends and I was on the, the, you know, I had some other friends that were out West, but yeah, I yeah. mean, I basically learned how to drive on the 405 all by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did this interrupt college plans of any kind? It it did. You know, it's interesting. I, I was enrolled to CW Post College in New York. Probably most famous from my perspective is that's where Springsteen recorded the Santa Claus is coming to town that we all hear every holiday <laughs> What a claim to fame. I'm sure it's famous for more things than that. And I'll be getting a letter soon. But that's a pretty good that's a pretty good stamp. Right, right. Anyway, so in liberal arts, because I, you know, I wanted to be Gene Kelly. I wanted to be Marlon Brando. I wanted to be De Niro. I wanted to be Pacino and all. But it wasn't happening by 17, 18, and it was time to so and I didn't I auditioned for a few theater programs like NYU and Hofstra and others. I didn't get in any of them. Mm-hmm. And uh and so that I I signed up, you know, liberal arts, CW Post, local, I could drive, let me get the baseline in. And uh, and then I got the Up the Academy movie, the Robert Downey Sr. movie that I told you about. And then yeah. I was like, see ya. And I'll go back after, <laughs> you know. I, see ya, CW. <laughs> right. And then uh, I figured, well, I could always go back and never have. And, and I don't regret it desperately. But when my kids went to college, uh, my daughter went to Hofstra, my son went to Boston College. I really enjoyed living that through them. And that's a yeah, yeah. time I didn't have. Those yeah, I, you know, pretty good trade off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you got a you got a very weird college. You went to college, but it was just a weird college. Exactly. On May tenth, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Had you taken a lot of acting classes at this point, or was it mostly just school stuff and you were just trying to break in by auditioning? It was mostly school stuff. I'd be in the musicals as the token tap dance kid, if you will. Yeah. Or, you know, just do I was student choreographer, even though I didn't. I mean, I don't know. What do you know? Yeah. What do I know? Step together, clap, turn, and clap. I would get so (laughs) frustrated. It is funny. I'd get so frustrated because I I knew basic Gene Kelly dance steps or, you know, kind of a box step or whatever, a turn. And and then, but when you tell, when you teach that to the people who never took a dance class and they can't do it and the the rhythm, it would drove me crazy. It's like, yeah, yeah. But um, so mainly school stuff. I uh, never did the plays in school. I, I did the musicals, but I I always got like, you know, third guy from the left in the back. Or I, for some reason, played Harry the Horse in Guys and Dolls, which is okay. ridiculous because the movie was like Sheldon Leonard, which was a massive producer. Absolutely. That's the heavy of the whole show. That was my part. Yeah, I yeah. had a little squeaky voice. <laughs> I said, yeah, we're going to get him, Benny South Street. We're going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, Damon Runyon style. 
Yeah, and, yeah. And so acting classes, like I said, that happened after Eight is Enough before The Outsiders. I studied in L.A. at the Beverly Hills Playhouse scene study. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, I mean, when you get these jobs, you know, like up the academy, you're there when you're 17. Is it intimidating? Are you like, oh, shit, they're going to figure out that, you know, I, that, that I, I, I'm just doing I'm reading the lines and acting. Yeah, that I'm just winging it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting to think back that far. I don't I think at that age, you know, you think you're invincible. Everything's it was yeah. it was all gravy. You know, the weird the interesting thing is I kind of paid my dues all after the initial success. Yeah, that's where my hard times were, you know, more in the the 90s and and the early 2000s leading up to where we are today. So but uh, I don't know if I ever felt I did listen, though. I was pretty good at listening um, when when a a veteran actor would, you know, give me a tip here or there or slow down a little bit and just think about react off of me. Don't you know, and I did. uh, And then I started just doing those things at face value. Yeah. Like I didn't take, I didn't have a cynical kind of, what is he trying to tell me? Is he trying to make me do this? So he looks better, you know, or she mm-hmm. looks better. I just took it as like a, like a wide eyed student. Oh, okay. So I should right. do that or do this or, or maybe if I slow it down and, and, th- and, you know, put meaning behind the words as opposed to just get to the end of the sentence. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I was pretty good at absorbing. And I also did that with the the crew and the other people like i i liked to know what everyone was doing i was probably that nagging kid like don't leave me alone i just i'm getting through the day i want my check but i was like how come you have on the sound mixer how come so when that goes up and you switch it to that guy yeah you know he's not going to yell and then it's going to go too high the meter or or asking the cinematographer why this lens and and that's that was my film school that's sort of how I really enjoyed because there's so much downtime on on a set, and certainly this was mainly with the outsiders because it was so ensemble. Um, Karate Kid, I was in almost everything, so yeah, I still ask those questions. I've always because I went to film school and started working in film production, so I came from it kind of from that side. And I was I've always been astounded by actors who don't seem to give a shit how anything else works, how any other department works. And I think it hurts you, like, understanding your place on the set. Because I think that's just good career advice anyway. Yeah. And life advice, you know, know what everyone else is doing around you. You don't have to be an expert about it, but I think it broadens your ability to understand and don't just be laser focused on my part, my part, my part, or my yeah. job, my, my job. It's more communal, certainly have, you know, have have focus on what you want to do and don't be disjointed. But in... If for me, there have been times where I've been as an actor, as a young actor, especially so focused on not focused, so aware of everything that I would become aware of myself and step out. And then you all of a sudden you find yourself watching yourself act or or being concerned of whether that flag that's going to take the light off my face that is blaring right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm saying this line, I'm feeling the sun and shit. Maybe the shot's not working because he didn't get there on time. And all of a sudden, I'm not in the scene anymore. Yeah, it's like, you know, that famous freak out that, what's his name? Christian Bale has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody's walking around hanging lights in his eye line. Like, he's 100% right in that. You know, like if there's an actor acting, don't walk around, you know, changing lights. And I actually... I know I worked with the guy he's yelling at. So it's like, I'm even more more like, you know, yeah, Christian, he sounds like a hothead on that, but he's 100% correct. And yelling, like, what are you doing? You know, I do that when there's movement. Cause I, I'm, I also get easily distracted. Like if I, if I see that going on, then I step, step out of it. And then, so I ask no movement, I'll clear the eye line on this. It sounds like such a pretentious. It all depends on how you ask. You know, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. It's also a nice thing about kind of flying because, you know, I mean, I had taken improv classes and I did stage shows, but I didn't have any real like classical training or anything. And the first job I got was for, you know, what they could then called a cable movie. Right, right. And, you know, and my first scene uh, was with Swoozy Kurtz and Bo Bridges. Mm-hmm. And and I had, I didn't know, you know, you just be quiet and kind of, you know, figure out like, you know, kind of follow context clues as to, oh, I think I should be over here now, you know, that kind of thing. But what's great about the movies too is that like, they're, the movies are only 
in their present form, like maybe a hundred years old, you know, every mogul just made themselves that they didn't, there was no, they didn't have a history of working on film. There's like, they made up how to make a movie, you know, and they made up how to act in a movie and they made up how to light a movie. It was all, you know, like just a bunch of clever immigrants, you know, like just, Hey, figuring out like, Hey, Oh, you know what? This is, how about it? If we move the camera closer, you know, like, so that was always good. So, um, how does getting this kind of fame and getting to LA, how does it change your vision of yourself? Is there imposter syndrome? Is it all good? Is it stressful? Yeah, yes, 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 and yes. You know, depending on what chapter uh, I, I was in. I mean, I think it it came easy for me at the onset. Like I said, there was a time it felt like any, not any audition, but most all the auditions I kind of got the gig, you know, at the onset. I think, you know, I attributed some of that to people when I was auditioning for a 14-year-old character and I was 17, 18 at the time. Um, maybe I was just a little more seasoned, even though I really wasn't, you know. Yeah. So then you get you think it's never gonna end. You know, I remember I I, I wrote this in the the waxing on book that I remember that the stupidest one of the stupidest statements I ever said. I was like 30 years old, um, well, not even 30 years old. I was in 25-ish. I was on Broadway with De Niro and Burt Young and a play called Cuban is Teddy bear the crossroads had come out the karate kid 2 is about to launch the mets were in the world series everything was just <laughs> amazing in new york for me yeah and i said a line like yeah someone asked how long you know you've been enjoying this and i i said some line like maybe i'll figure the next you know five or ten years by maybe 35 i'll slow down and you know kick back enjoy life maybe retire and just just as stupid as youthful thing you could possibly say and then you know within a couple of years all of a sudden there was no broadway show there was no movie opening the mets sucked everything was you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like what and then then it becomes um so you're cocky at that point when it's on top of it you know because it was a little easy and yeah. then you become, you have to fight not to become desperate to, you know, to sort of create yesterday. And, uh, but I, you know, I never slipped down the, you know, the slide and any of that, you know, I, but there were, there were tougher, drier times. And, and then it became about, you know, me staying, you know, I always talk about, I keep one foot in and one foot out of it. And that's sort of, sort of how I balanced it. And I still do. That's still paramount at the end of the day. Now it's easier now that I have a hit show and and uh, other things are happening and a book about to it's breaking and yeah, it's down the line. So it's certainly easier. But I always kept creative, even when I couldn't get a job as an actor for a chunk of time. I would write. I would direct some short films. I would take them. You know, I got into Sundance. I got you know. When you find making a, it's the difference between being creative and making a living. It's when mm-hmm. they do both, which is what I'm able to do now, which is awesome. It's uh, so you could always be creative. It's at what point do you have to let go of this as your your uh, livelihood? Uh, yeah, and that's that's it. I you know I got close to that a few times, but I was always fairly conservative with spending so mm-hmm. i was able to survive when i look back at it now i'm like how did i do that those years you know we were you know my wife and i talk about it we just were able to you know she's a she was she's a nurse practitioner and so she had an income and we but we somehow balanced it and raised our kids yeah during those drier years it all it's almost like i planned it to have all this time off when my kids were growing up it was not the plan to have your second film be the outsiders i mean there was eight is enough in between right you're working with francis ford coppola and you've got this just like this every hot young actor on the planet mm-hmm. does for a while does that seem like okay this is going to be my peer group yeah for a little bit around that time yeah yeah i mean everybody goes their own way i mean i was I was sort of one of the outsiders in the outsiders. I mean, like Emilio Estevez, new Tom Cruise, new Rob Lowe. Matt Dillon was from New York. I was from New York. So there was a kindred connection there yeah. as the two New York guys coming in. And then there was, you know, and then Diane Lane, we just, everyone wanted to, you know, just hang out with Diane Lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, Emilio, C. Thomas Howell, you know, uh, I remain friends with 
in different areas for the next few years. But it was never like I, I wrote this in the book, too. I never got a Brat Pack membership card. You know, that <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I talk. I write about it because because I think well, I was never in a John Hughes movie. Yeah. So maybe if I got in one of those, if I was in St. Elmo's Fire or something. Um, if it was not Rob Lowe playing the saxophone, it could have been me. <laughs> could have been me. Yeah. Like he doesn't have enough. Yeah, right. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, enough of that. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, I never, Did that bug you? No, it did not. It, um, yeah. Wait, that's a good question. It did not. But whenever the article came out that was like, I don't know, was it the cover of something? The Brad Rolling Stone, yeah, I, I think, think, was the big so, one of those guys. Know, yeah. Ali, Ali, Sheedy, and yeah. And, uh, Emilio, Anthony Michael Hall and all. I think there might have been a split second was like, okay, so Matt Dillon's not on there. I'm cool. And I would, I would go down my list, <laughs> go down my list of like credible actors that didn't make that cut. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't feel like I'm not I'm the only only one. But um yeah, I tell a story about auditioning for 16 candles with with Emilio. He was auditioning for the jock and I was auditioning for the nerd uh with a role for the with, John Cryer part. Uh, no, no, this is 16 candles. So this was Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, I'm getting Yeah, no, me too. I do them. I get them confused. Pretty and pink yeah, and yeah. they forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they should just make make it one movie. We now. should right now just do pitch that whole. Oh my! You know what? You could sell that. You could totally sell a completely because that's all they want these days. You tell know, me, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, and, and I remember uh, auditioning for John Hughes, and I was I th I think I was just too cool in my own mind. They wanted me to just play the role as natural and i was bringing in this sort of nerdy quirky walk and talk and they didn't want any of that yeah and, and, I, and they were trying to adjust me to just we just want natural ralph and i was like what i can't be this nerd i am way too cool in my head but i kept and i wonder if that i always joke uh i wonder if that that was where my john hughes uh chances ended but you know listen matthew broderick is ferris bueller and he should be ferris bueller and the right mm -hmm. gets the right part in yeah. success in success i always yeah, yeah and i write to that as well although too like i i just have had this conversation like twice in the last couple of weeks that like when you go back and rewatch ferris bueller you just see that guy's fucking insane. Like he's an asshole yeah. he's a sociopath and a manipulator <laughs> yes yes and Everyone else takes the fall for his bullshit. It's yep. like, fuck Ferris Bueller. He is not a hero. He's an asshole. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, yeah. Uh, it's funny when you look, look back. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a grow? I mean, Jesus Christ, too, you get to go from The Outsiders to Karate Kid, gigantic, gigantic hit. I actually saw The Karate Kid in the theater on my first day of freshman year at University of Illinois. That's amazing. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that movie is one of those. I talk about that. There are certain movies you remember where you saw them. You yeah. Know? And I'm generalizing a little bit, but it is true. It does have that about it you you know especially when it's during those formidable years when you you know yeah and that movie that movie's just like it's just really really good yeah, you know it's it's not it's not high art nope but it is every scene's necessary it builds great the character you know it's just like it's just a, a real impressive piece of work you know 
And it's used in film schools as that that's you know that three act structure. The yeah, all those all those pieces, all the nuts and bolts of how it's supposed to work. But then you have the nuances, and you create the human Yoda and Mr. Miyagi, and you create yeah. that magic and the the every the every the kid every kid next door with Daniel Larusso was that wish fulfillment part. And then you have the magic of you could clean a car and learn how to you know win a tournament and kick the bully in the face. It pays set up some payoffs, you know. My cousin Vinny has that too. It's one of those scripts that really builds that. But the Karate Kid was, you know, it was a great script. A uh, great director, John Avildsen, who directed Rocky. Yeah, is that the one that like like do you go from being like occasionally people notice you to being like everywhere you go? Holy shit! Look, it's the Karate Kid. It's the Karate. And it's not, and you're not even Ralph Macchio. You're Karate, you're though Karate Kids. I was more the local hero that won the football game than I was a movie star or a celebrity. I think people treated me as that that every kid, that every guy next door. You're partly because that was my sensibilities and how I presented myself, maybe. And two, the Daniel LaRusso of it all, of that character that had that, you know, he did not feel like a movie hero as much as he felt like a kid we knew and, and yeah. good things to happen to. Well, and the one, the one that to me is, that's so funny is the, um, is crossroads. Like yeah. I remember seeing crossroads and like, so you go from being karate kid to like being the karate kid with a guitar. Yeah. Like a blues legend, you know, and like having like, you know, a devil went down to Georgia guitar. Was it Steve Vai? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and talk about like, for a young person, you know, to like all of a sudden, like, were you at all a decent guitarist? I was, no, I, I worked really hard on that. That movie has, I mean, I have that guitar. I have that Telecaster. I, I kept it. It's so, it's just so cool. That was Walter yeah. who directed that film, who directed 48 Hours with, uh, you know, Nolte and, and uh, Eddie Murphy and the Long Riders and other, uh, the Warriors. And so he was a filmmaker I really liked. And, and Crossroads, Arguably was probably so close to the Karate Kid. In fact, it was a student and mentor. It was very yeah. dynamic with metaphysical shit thrown. Yeah, in right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I love the blues. I loved the folklore of that and that sort of the Robert Johnson yeah. history of the twenty nine songs. And was there a thirtieth song? And this kid is chasing it. And and John Fusco, who wrote that screenplay, who went on to write you know, Young Guns and and other big, big movies. Mm-hmm. It was his NYU, you know, submission. Oh, wow. So I love the music part of it. So I learned, I studied, uh, and it was for Columbia Pictures, who was the, uh, making the Karate Kid film. So I had a classical guitar coach. I had a blues guitar coach. <laughs> I had, a, uh, the, I had, you know, you got, I had, a, you know, I was training in martial arts for part two of the Karate Kid. Wow. You know, I learned how to fake it well, just kind of like between us, how I learned how to fake martial arts and continue to do so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's a little bit of fantasy camp, right? Yeah, the sure. The difference is, it's like the, the tournament at the end of Karate Kid. I win the thing. You kick the guy in the face. The crowd cheers. It's awesome. We shoot it all at once. And Crossroads, it was the, it was even more cool because I got to to play, you know, like I was, you know, whatever, Eddie Van Halen or Jimmy Hendrix yeah. or Prince or the Springsteen and I, everybody's cheering and I'm jamming. And then they call lunch and I can't get Mary had a little lamb out of the son of a bitch. <laughs> All that stuff was just played back. It was Ry Cooter, the amazing Ry Cooter, slide guitar, who would score a lot of uh, uh, Walter Hill's films. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of everybody's movies. And then Steve Vai, he did both sides of the the duel, which has like sixty million views. I mean, the, wow. the guitar gunfight at the end. So it's cool. It's cool you brought that up because it's fun to reminisce on that one. I don't know why. I mean, that movie stuck with me, and I, rem- you know, and like I said, I saw Karate Kid in the fall of '84. Like it had already been out and was a hit, and I just had didn't happen to see it. And I think Crossroads I saw right off the bat. Yep. Well, so then they there's two more Karate Kids. With you in them, right? And then do you start to feel as those sequels are coming, like things slowing down? After Karate Kid 2, during Karate Kid 2, and uh, and when the option, it was a three-picture option. So yeah. that was the most challenging part when I wanted to, after part two, 
and I wanted to venture into other possible opportunities. Um, I mean, some of those were blocked out by the option uh, because then it was they were going to make a third one. Yeah. And but more than anything else, I was feeling the, you know, the pigeonholing of that character. And I was aging, but I wasn't aging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was really caught in. It was like uh, a perfect storm of, of difficulty getting out of this this pigeonhole, if you will. So, yeah, that became the, the beginning of the, the challenging time, to say to say the least. But, yeah. you know, I never you know, there were days that it sucked. But I never let it get me, you know, I never. You were never let, like pissed off. Like, you know, like what, what do you people want? From yeah, you me, know, you there, know? Were, there were moments. Listen, my, the story for my cousin Vinny is I, it was very hard to get me to get them to even bring me in the room. Really? Because from the studio's perspective, I was not on that list. No, yeah. it's an Italian guy in New York who's Joe Pesci's cousin. Um, and I knew Joe, I met him through De Niro, through the Cuba and Teddy Bear, De Niro play. And, you know, it seemed like a, a no brainer, at least to audition. Yeah. Cause that's kind of, you are sort of that, you know, you can be that yeah. guy, yeah. you know, right. I mean, it was yeah. college age. It wasn't like he was, you know, 14 or, right. or so even though there was probably nine years between his age and what I really was. Oh um, yeah, but uh, but that's the Machio curve. You just have to. Put, <laughs> it's like you, you got a grade on that curve when I'm cast. I mean, it's fun to look back in success. Now it's so easy to talk about all all this stuff, and because the end result is one, it was a good movie, and two, it it makes the decision makers look like they were short sighted, which they were. Till you know, I got in the room, and the directors said, you know, this makes sense. Yeah. Um, were you, I, cause I know I read that you met your wife when you were like 15, like your grandmother introduced you. This is, uh, this was my cousin's sweet 16 birthday party, uh, in my grandmother's basement. And then we, you know, we met, we talked and she was a little older than me, way prettier, way out of my league. And, uh, but she, you know, seemed to like me and we got to talking and that's, that was the initial spark that we dated in a, platonic kind of teenage way for a couple of months and she went off to uh college i went off to eight is enough and and then uh, years later we we got back together and we're a little bit older and it still had the same feelings and uh i literally just got off the phone with her before i logged on to this uh interview so yeah 35 years do you think having that in your life was like the constancy of having someone mm -hmm. like did that ground you going through all this kind of heady stuff i would i would think it, it, it did i would say yeah yeah you know, it, it, all, it challenged it as well because now you have a relationship or and and or and when the kids came along in 92 95 and stuff was dry then it puts a stretch now i have to provide for the family it's not just like stuff is not sure happening as well so then it was so it put strain on there but uh not to a place not to a, a dangerous place ever and i do it's you know it's a long time ago when i think back to the yeah these especially with what's happening now and then writing about what, how it all started it's i forget that there's a whole middle yeah <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, but, yeah yeah but I do in in the book. I do touch on all of that, and you know, not super deep dives in, but you know, those those sort of honest lookbacks at what was I thinking at this point, and how did I navigate that? Maybe yeah. maybe it'll be a seed of a kernel for someone, a reader, to say, you know, maybe gain some wisdom from it in a way. It's it has to have like just provided you with such a tether to reality. I mean, she and our relationship, uh, I simultaneously grounds and elevates me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I, 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 you know, that's, that's kind of the, the blessing I have with that, you know, and, and listen, relationships at any level uh, and long-term, but you know, there's ups and downs and it's work at times. And it's, you know, anyone who says anything differently, it is a journey, you know? And, and then when you add in, you know, this fame thing or this actor thing or this being recognized, this whole from such a young age, even though I wasn't a yeah. quote unquote child star, you know, where I came up at eight years old and was the so and so on the TGIF show for 
mm-hmm. or whatever. But still, there's that there's that me 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 element that's that you just you can't help but get it be part of who you are. Yeah, that uh, you need someone who can stay in the wings and be cool with that and and be supportive. And that's right. that you know what my wife does, but. The, the beauty now is that her, both she and my kids with this Cobra Kai series and how it's kind of exploded, they're just having such a good time with it. They're such cheerleaders for it all. That's, and that's nice. really kind of, especially for my kids, something that's so big part of my life gets to be such a big part of their lives, you know, 35 years later. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy, you know, unique. When the Cobra Kai thing came back around, did you have any mix, any like misgivings or mixed feelings about it? Or were you kind of, I mean, did you think it would work? First uh, of all, not at this level, not yeah. at the level it works. I think I always felt it would, you know, the Karate Kid has never gone away. You know, so a lot of people say everything old is new again. But for me, the Karate Kid has never been old. I would always feel that if you brought them to the well, they would drink the water. It just had to be good tasting water. Right, right. right. So execution is always the thing. And I said no um, for 30 years. I mean, everyone would say, hey, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about uh, this? And I was just saying, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it, like you say, high art, but I also put it on a pedestal. And it's a part, it's something I was part of that, was kind of perfect for the time. Well, and it's also like there are cheeseburgers and there are cheeseburgers. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like really fantastic cheeseburgers and then there's just thrown together garbage cheeseburgers. Yeah. yeah. So it might be a cheeseburger, but it's still, I mean, and I've, I've done plenty of, you know, yep. shitty cheeseburgers. Yep, yep, yep. You know, <laughs> but I mean, but then it's also like when you do a really good cheeseburger, that's possibly better than a really good gourmet thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, that. that's exactly it. And it hits and, and it hits on those cylinders. It still does. And the, the guys who create the show, uh, John, Josh and Hayden, um, they pitched me the idea in New York at a time that I was starting to loosen my grip on the no, 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 I would never, I would never mm. streaming. So I had seen Creed just like maybe two months earlier. So I saw a way to get back into the the Rocky universe, and that not, was fantastic. And not yeah. make Rocky Seven. Yeah, so that sort of informed me of, and they came in with, okay, we're going to come in from the angle of whatever happened to the guy who got kicked in the face. What? Yeah, is life. That inversion is key, at, at least from an entry point. Now, yeah. Cobra Kai, when you look at season four and five, it's all that is. It's still there. Yeah. But it, it's not about two guys just saying, you know, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. Right. It's, it's a bit. It's become its own world. But that coming into it that way was at least like not we just. We had an angle, and it was they had written Harold and Kumar and Hot Tub Time Machine, and so I felt that they could write for a young audience. When they talked about the secondary, the the next generation characters, that's when I got excited because I started to see, okay, who Johnny Lawrence's son is, who my daughter is, how they enter. Now I started seeing, okay, because live and breathe in its full um, full painting, not just yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was smart, well executed. They are super fans of the original movie and the the whole uh, trilogy. They know it way more than I do, and I figured at that point. Um, if I'm going to jump in the pool, I, I have no idea what the temperature of the water is or how deep it is, but this is the time. And so now yeah. super smart for no reason and very, very <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Smart and lucky is a good combo. Yeah. Though. And, the, but there was instinct. I mean, they would, they did not come in with saying, Hey, what do you think if this happened? No, they, everything was, any question had an answer. But the the biggest question with the Cobra Kai pitch was, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it a soap opera? Is it an hour? Is it a half hour? And they had, they would just say yes, 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 and yes. And Sure, network, why not? Yeah. Every network said the same thing in the pitch. They were like, yeah, but Karate Kid is, is this, it's a comedy? It's a, and they just knew what they wanted. And, and yeah. trust at some point, you have to trust the guys behind the wheel. And I also knew and Zapka, Billy Zapka knows the same, knew the same thing. 
we're so it's so precious to us that we have to let go of it. We can only see it through the prism, you know, of our vantage point. And these guys yeah. see the whole world from from a bird's eye view. Yeah, um, yeah. But what what it's become, you know, is number one in eighty three countries last week. It's insane. Wow, wow, that's insane. fantastic. <laughs> and also, in and also in a. You know, streaming's falling apart. Yeah. Cobra Kai's sticking together. You yeah, know, at least for a little while. Thank God. You just got to release something the following Friday, and then and then everything. Yeah, falls. yeah. It goes it goes as, quick, but um, as they say in Italian, Mazel Yeah, tov, exactly. Uh, Oy, that, I know, know what you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you got the book uh, waxing on. It's a memoir. Yeah. Had that been in the works for a while? Did you feel like no? It was the pandemic. I was. I'd, I'd been asked by a few publishing houses and a couple of lit agents. Would you ever write about making the movie? I guess Carrie always had his Princess uh, Bride book that. Oh, okay. Had, that shot up to the top of the list, so they probably. Oh wow! This was a couple of years back, so I think that's they would always mention that, even though this is very different. That's it became very different, but um, so I I thought about it, but then once once we were we just finished shooting season three of Cobra Kai, YouTube was not going to continue with the show because Google mandated them out of scripted, so we were just hit mm. with no home, and the world shut down in March of 2020 and uh we had 10 episodes of cobra kai and we were trying to sell it eventually went to netflix and you know blew up to what it is it was yeah. during that time i just said maybe i'll write a proposal and we worked on shaping it out and it was you know they a lot of uh publishing uh publishers latched on and we we figured it out and then i they let me write for the most part i wrote it myself and they let me write what i set out to do you know it was challenging was emotional they had big highs with it frustrating staring at that cursor flashing and other stuff it would just become magical in a way and then i you know get emotional because i'm talking about sometimes people that are no longer here that help gift me the rewards i'm i have now so it's really kind of my journey in the shoes of becoming Daniel LaRusso, making that movie the untold behind the scenes of how some of the iconic things happened uh, and then it's the from the crane takes flight section, which is the summer of 84. And then all of a sudden everything gets dry and quiet, navigating through that, having a family and taking the lessons. The last sort of act is the lessons from the movie, the do overs. I wish I could have had part, a second chance at and Cobra Kai actually gives me that. And, um, you know, sort of the journey and uh, a celebration of, of what this little movie as sleeper of 84 has done and continues to do it's pretty unique yeah. and and uh kind of a story that only i could tell and my uh, introduction to the book is the day i'm in a full theater seeing it for the first time when i hadn't seen it frame one and i just take the reader through what that was for me walking into the theater pedestrian pretty much maybe someone would say hey i saw you in the outsiders and then walking out of that theater like the beatles leaving shea stadium <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was it like watching it i mean did, did you know like oh the shit this is yeah big, you felt you, know? you could feel i mean that's the whole st- introduction it's like by the time the green station wagon drove from newark new jersey to the san fernando valley you could feel the audience leaning into this kid yeah. the fact that i was that kid was just so out of body you know i didn't yeah. You know, I'd seen The Outsiders in the movie theater and I'd seen Up the Academy and I watched State is Enough. And that was all cool and awesome. But this was something else because it was yeah. like 700 people seemingly having one brain. Uh, sort of like when you're on the back of a roller coaster and you see everyone's heads and shoulders moving. That's kind of yeah. what it was like for me on that day. Wow. And so it's yeah. that's sort of how I open the book and I take it through to today. And Cobra Kai is peppered throughout all the chapters because I have a yeah. bookend to almost every story yeah yeah well where do you want to go from here i mean what do you how do you see things heading forward i mean you got no kids left in the yeah, house I mean, you know? listen parent, you got gr- you got you got grown up but now. parenting is not seasonal i can <laughs> you know you think you're in an advisory position only but sometimes it's not the right. full month. you think you're out and they drag you back in yeah. You know, hopefully we get to finish up Cobra Kai in a way that pleases the fans. And I think we're feeling 
confident that we'll get to land that plane and it's now become in the karate kid cinematic universe almost so sure there's yeah. more chapters there but other areas to work i did this show the deuce that i really enjoyed being on it was uh david simon george pelicanos james franco maggie gyllenhaal I, they, yeah it was it was great and i had this you know small part but i was in like 17 of the 20 something episodes and i i, I would love to do more behavioral kind of I love the movies of the 70s. I love that time. Yeah. So um, I would love to find something in that era or that style, that acting style that, you know, I just watched Network the other day and Dog Day Afternoon. I was on the Sidney Lumet uh, run and uh, love those yeah. films. So that type of work, maybe more theater I haven't done. And I am I would love to help theater be, come back, you know, as it's uh, on the, you know, uh, getting back in and. And anything above, you know, I mean, uh, I'd host something if it was the right something, if it was the right fit, you know, that's the world. Yeah. I mean, I see actors come to whether hosting game shows or it would be, it's a challenge, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's really a challenge. You look at, I mean, listen, you know it more than him. You've been sitting there where you're sitting now and with Conan all those years. I mean, it's, that's not an easy task and I'm not looking to be the, the host of the tonight show or, or yeah, yeah. like in writing the book, I think I tried to have a real conversational kind of perspective, a sort of honest, humble conversation. And I think if I could, you know, give a piece of that, that might be something in years to come when it's like, Oh, you want to put him in? He's looking terrible. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Put on a baseball hat and be that. <laughs> I don't know. And more writing and, uh, you know, and sipping of really good wine on a, yeah, a yeah. nice espresso. That would be good. Yeah. In exotic locations. That's always nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you, I mean, you've, you've written sort of like, you know, you're, you're promoting the story of your life in many ways. And I mean, what, what would you like people to take away from that? I mean, what's the thing that you think you've learned that, that, you hope people can take away from from your story and just from what you've been through. You know, the the journey, at least using the Karate Kid as the spine and the through line, because the memoir is really it's kind of it's not an autobiography. It's not I'm, I touch on all other things, but it's really every chapter still ties into the Daniel LaRusso of it all, the, the Karate Kid of it all. But it's it's really what I've gained back from it richer mm -hmm. than what I've gotten for it. I don't know. You know, it's like when I see, it may sound corny. It's hard not to sound like a bad Hallmark card, but if I, you know, I see a kid that comes up to me or, or not even a kid, a, a, a guy in his fifties or forties and this movie or that character had such a profound impact on their lives, whether they were a teenager or now I'll get fathers saying my kid would not look at me. And now we watch this show and have it together. Oh, or yeah. or someone who did not have that Mr. Miyagi during a tough time when they were a teenager and they literally come up male or female with tears in their eyes. And I just it's ridiculous. I'm just the kid who got the part or I'm just the not was a kid who got the part. And and so it's not false being false modesty or or uh, or disingenuous, humble. It's really earnestly that I was part of something that um that still resonates and and my life is all the richer for it that's what i'd like you know take away it's not about oh this is me let's talk about me in this movie it's this is a unique experience that i've you know gotten through some of the tough parts and and i've hung on to my family and relationship and and have this ridiculous second you know third act on this role um yeah. that I don't take it for granted. And it's really, it's been, it's because the fans love the damn thing is why I'm in this show. You yeah. know, I mean, it's well executed and everything else, but it's, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a, a rambly version of an answer to your simple question. <laughs> well, it's a good answer. And I mean, it's not that simple. You know, like, what do you, what do you want people to take away from your life? It's, you well, know, it's that's just looking around. It, it's, it's, it's actually turning the lens off of me and onto what, I've gained, even though it's, I'm writing from my perspective, but it's a two-way street. The The rewards of it are a two-way street. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for giving me this time. I appreciate oh, awesome. it. I know you got lots of people to talk to it's about this. You day, got a but, book to sell. But you you had an asterisk uh, next. So I was glad to have the opportunity. Um, and it's nice to meet you. You know, I've done. 
Oh, thank I've only you. done Conan like this. I did it once and I'd done a uh, back in the day. So I never got yeah, to sit yeah. down and, you know, get grilled from both sides. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Ralph. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. It. And uh, check out the book, uh, Waxing On. And thank all of you out there for listening. And we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Salataroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it in showing? Oh, you must be a-knowing. I've got a big, big love. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.